Does God heal today? And what about those times we pray for it, but our expectations aren't met? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I want my will so often in prayer, but I know by the time I'm finished in prayer, so often I'm resolved. Willingly, not against my will, but willingly to accept the will of God in my life. And I believe God heals today, church. And I believe when we pray through James chapter 5, if any of you are sick, let them come to the elders and anoint with oil and pray that I believe God can heal. We've seen God heal. We've heard of God's healing. But I also know that sometimes in God's healing, He doesn't heal as we expect. This is amazing grace. Whether it's a friend or family member that is just diagnosed with cancer or the doctor tells you you've got an incurable disease, it's a good idea to take it to the Lord in prayer. As Pastor Ed Taylor mentioned a moment ago, God still heals today. But as we'll learn today on the New Year's edition of Abounding Grace, sometimes He chooses to heal in a way we don't expect, like taking the person to heaven. Join us in 2 Kings 13 as we recall a time in Elisha's life when he was sick and near death. Take your Bibles, open them to 2 Kings chapter 13 as we finish off the chapter today in a Bible study that I've entitled, Victory Comes by Faith. And remember, as we're studying through 2 Kings, we're learning about the long-term effects of both sinful decisions and good decisions. And we're learning that through the different kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdom. Remember, after Solomon, the king, after Solomon's death, the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel was split into two, Israel and Judah. And the nation of God being split into two kingdoms after the death of Solomon revealed the power of leadership. And that's certainly a lesson that we're learning, the power of leadership, the power of good leadership and the power of bad leadership how good leadership can lead to such fruit and joy and how bad leadership can harm people and hurt people. And we're here in 2 Kings chapter 13. Remember in verse 5, we learned last week that the Lord gave Israel a deliverer. And you'll notice in your English translation, it's little d because he was just a man. And God raised up a man to be a deliverer as he did during the time of Judges where the nation would get in trouble. They had no leader, so they'd do with that which was right in their own eyes, and then God would raise up a deliverer, rescue them. There'd be a time of peace. They'd sin again. It was just a vicious cycle. Well, we also see now that the cycle was continuing because it's not just an issue with the nation of Israel. It's not just an issue in the book of Judges. It's an issue in our own hearts that's untethered to the Holy Spirit. We'll do the same thing, and we'll follow the same pattern, and God will be faithful to send us the Deliverer, not little d, but in our study last time we learned capital D, that the true Deliverer is Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins. And there's just true freedom in the Lord. 
A, a true freedom, what the, the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, and I like how the NIV, and I think we sing it this way actually in one of our songs, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So if you weren't here last time, be sure to pick up the study, because it really goes well with the rest of the chapter now in verse 14, where we left off. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And so he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have, been, have destroyed them, verse 18. And then he said, take the arrows. And so he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times and then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will only strike Syria three times. So now we come to the end of Elisha's life. And what a man of God, or we could say what a character he was in every good sense of that word. He was a very interesting man. And God used Elisha in extraordinary ways. And those that study such things as Elijah received a double portion of the mantle of Elijah, his mentor, that you'll see that of the miracles that Elijah did, Elisha did exactly double the amount. And God used him in incredible ways. Because when the kings weren't following God, and when the priests weren't following God, God would raise up a prophet, a spokesperson, to speak on his behalf. Isn't it true in your life when, when you're not listening to Bible studies or pastors and you're not listening to friends, God will raise up someone to give you the message that you need to hear. He, he will send someone into your life. He will allow a circumstance. I mean, even in the Old Testament, when we learned about Balaam, God used a stinking donkey to talk to this guy because he'll do whatever it takes to get the message to you, this message of love a message of challenge, a message of caution, a, a, a word of stop or a word go. God will do what it takes. And I would go so far to say God does what it takes to get his message into our lives. And even though it's interesting to note that God used Elisha in wonderful ways, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, miracle after a miracle, in Elisha's life, he still got sick. And died. The Bible says it's pointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. And even later when we read of the life of Paul the Apostle, where God used him in wonderful ways to bring healing into people's lives, he didn't heal himself. Neither did he have the capacity to personally heal himself because physical healing belongs to the Lord. He is sovereign in how he chooses to heal. He is sovereign in how he even chooses the instrument of men or the instrument of medicine to bring physical healing into your life and mine. And this frustrates us to some degree, for sure. Because it's our heart and it's our desire 
that anyone that we love or care for be healed physically. We don't want to see anybody suffer. We don't want to see anyone go through great disease. We don't want to see anyone have to spend massive amounts in time in the hospital. And so our natural desire and heart and the per, our personal will for someone else's life is that they be healed. The problem is, is that we project that expectation onto God, the sovereign healer. And we forget conveniently, caught up in the emotion of hurt and fear and anxiety at the sight of a sick one, that God heals and not man, and that he's sovereign. Or you could say he controls who is healed, how they're healed, and when they're healed. Every single one of us as human beings is in a state of sickness. You know that, right? <laughs> we are in a state of decay. That, that our bodies are not, last, are not meant to last forever. But the Bible promises that one day we will exit this body and we will get a new body and be forever in the presence of the Lord. Which in many cases, those that we prayed for for healing, God's choice of healing was to remove them from their physical body and bring them into the fullness of healing in his presence. Now that's hard for us to accept because we enjoyed them and loved them and wanted more time with them. But it wasn't God's will. Man has never healed anyone, ever. Only God. Positive confessions will not bring necessary cures. You might want to jot that down. Positive confessions will not bring necessary cures. There is a false teaching that's very popular today. Unfortunately, it's known among other things as the prosperity gospel. It speaks of the blessing of God, of finances and good health. And if you just speak it into existence, and if you just believe enough, and you just speak words of healing over you and words of prosperity over you, that that will take place, that God will submit to your powerful words. Might I just say there's one word for that doctrine? Well, there's many words, but let me share one of them with you. <laughs> Nonsense. I'll share another one with you. I'll be a little more, uh, a little more Bible study friendly. Unbiblical. It's a nonsensical, unbiblical doctrine that only the teachers and the leaders that teach it ever benefit from it. You can't speak it into existence. God is sovereign. And when we pray, we pray according to the way we were taught by Jesus Christ. And as much as we desire healing and prosperity and folks' needs to be met, we pray exactly what God taught us to pray through Jesus Christ. And it's this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will be done on earth and make it happen in heaven. It's not my will I want. Now I have to say that's not entirely true because many times in my prayer life, it is my will that I want. And I wrestle in prayer. Do you wrestle in prayer? between your will and God's will, I wrestle in prayer. It sometimes is a battle. Certainly not as intense as the Garden of Gethsemane, but similar. Where I pray and I wrestle with, if this cup can be taken from me, then take it. If there's any other way, God, that you can handle this situation, then please do it because I don't like the way you're handling it now. And I want my will so often in prayer, but I know by the time I'm finished in prayer, so often I'm resolved, willingly, not against my will, but willingly to accept the will of God in my life. And I believe God heals today, church. 
And I believe when we pray through James chapter 5, if any of you are sick, let them come to the elders and anoint with oil and pray that I believe God can heal. We've seen God heal. We've heard of God's healing. But I also know that sometimes in God's healing, he doesn't heal as we expect. I think back to a time personally in my own life when my son was very sick. And in some cases, they were saying beyond the help of doctors, where we prayed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we were at his side, my wife and I and other friends and people that loved us and loved my son, my family. We would all do shifts in the hospital and people, different people would be showing up at different times and sometimes they'd make it into the room, sometimes they'd be stuck at the waiting room, sometimes there'd be a word not to let any of us in and we didn't listen. We we're going to be at the side of our son and we desperately prayed for his healing and believed in every millisecond of every single prayer that God could work and that God would work. That if we waited long enough, he would awake my son out of his coma. We believed that. And through God's sovereignty and what he allowed to happen, my son was healed by going home. And it dealt a desperate death blow to everything that I was in my walk with the Lord. And it caused me to doubt and it caused me to be discouraged and it caused me all sorts of emotions and feelings that I had never even felt before. And now looking back after five years and looking back at the various ways that God has used my son's life, uh, because my son, he's not dead, he's alive. You know that? He's in the presence of the Lord. He's waiting for us, knowing that we'll be with him soon. And seeing through my son's life and recognizing of all the wonderful years that we enjoyed with him and all the wonderful testimonies, even as we were in Austria recently, serving missionaries, and many of which we never met before, we met three different people who went to school with my son over at Calvary Chapel and Bible College. And they began to share with us stories that we'd never heard before and wonderful testimonies of this young man's character and how God used him. And, and one of the things that was really a blessing to me is that he had the ability to be friends with everybody. And, and it was described as with all the different cliques and everything that was going on, Eddie was able to stay above all of that and be able to serve and love everybody. And I thought that was such a great testimony that God would take me 6,000 miles uh, to here at that time in my life. And it just sowed seeds of righteousness and hope into my heart that when I begin to doubt that why God would allow such a tragedy, when I begin to doubt why some of the decisions were not placed in our hands but in someone else's hands, when I begin to doubt all of the things that uh, come up with emotion, that the Lord would say, no, I've got your back. I've got people all over this world that can speak encouragement into your life, that can speak truth into your life. And so while we desperately desire healing, we recognize that every one of us will die of our last sickness. Uh, with the exception of the generation that won't die, which is the generation I wish to be a part of, the rapture of the church, with that exception, the general rule is all of us will be out of this body and in the presence of the Lord. Now, everybody listening to me is at a different stage in that. Some people are eagerly awaiting to be delivered from this body of death. But it's a, it's a difficulty, isn't it? It's like a, it's a tension in our lives because I think every true believer has a heart to be in the presence of the Lord and yet we wrestle with, but wait a minute, Lord, I haven't experienced this yet. And you know, like some of you singles, you're like, oh, I can't wait for the rapture, but let me get married first. <laughs> and that's not a bad desire. It's just tension. It's not bad for you to think that way. It's just the reality of life. It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. 
It's a battle between that, I, I want to be, be with the Lord. It's, I, I am ready to go, Paul says, and I'm paraphrasing. But to stay is here is more needful for you. And so he accepted the will of God. It's important for us to recognize that Elisha did not heal himself. Even though on many occasions God used him to bring healing. And so God doesn't always heal the way that we desire. And we see that in Elisha's life here. Now, the last time we really paid, had any attention in our studies in Elisha was way back in chapter 9. And it's between chapter 9 and here in chapter 13, uh, about 40 years has passed. So about 40 years of ministry is not accounted for biblically and written down for us by the Holy Spirit. It's a time of silence, a time of silence in his life. And even though it's silent in, in terms of what we know, Elisha was still at work in the land and the Lord was with him. And we just may have those times in our lives, church, where people really don't know what's going on. They really don't know what's happening. It seems to be silent, and yet God is still working in our lives because God never stops working. He's always working in and through us. And, and we may have those times in our lives where not a lot of people know what we're doing or the spotlight may not be on us as it was before. But remember that the Lord is always with you. And it doesn't matter what people know about you. And it doesn't matter what you're doing behind, you know, that you, whether it's in front of people or it's behind the scenes. As a matter of fact, I prefer, I prefer for people not to know what I'm doing when I'm serving the Lord. I actually prefer that. Even though much of my ministry is up front and in front of you, and you see this part of it where I have the privilege of serving you, but I prefer for you not to know how many phone calls I made today or what folks, you know, even in the stories that I do share, I share, I ask for permission so that they know ahead of time because I prefer to just do my ministry as unto the Lord so that whatever's done in secret, the Father knows about it. And I'm only worried about what the Father cares about because that's the motto of Jesus. The motto of Jesus is that at the end of his life, he was able to say that I, I have done that which pleases the Father not man. Because the more that you're able to do behind the scenes and the more you're able to do for the Lord that nobody knows about, the less temptation you have toward being puffed up in pride or taking the applause of men or wanting the applause of men. And so I pretty much prefer, and you know, many times, uh, most of the times, when, when you as a church family, we model this as a church. When we sow a seed into a biblical, you know, financial seed to bless somebody, we want to bless them in the, something that they need, or we, we help another church in town, or we help a missionary with something extra, we don't announce it. We don't put a plaque. We don't put it up on the screen. We, we don't bring them up and give them a check. We, we, don't, we just want the Lord to bless somebody. We don't want to be in the way. We don't want notoriety. I, I do share that you're a giving church, and I'll continue to share that. You're a giving church. You give to ministries around the world, not only personally, but as a church family. You invest in lives. You invest in ministries. You invest in other churches. You invest in church plants. You buy phones. You buy, you buy things for pastors that, that they need because they don't have the resources. You help buy books for kids. and back, you, you mean, oh, it, it is beyond what even could be announced. You have gener you're sitting by generous people right now that give generously unto the work of the Lord. You, you're sitting around people that give enormous amounts of money to the work of the ministry through the church here, through Grace FM, but you're not going to see a little tap, you're not going to see a little thing on the back of the chair, this chair provided by so-and-so family. And you're not, we're not going to put it, we're going to paint on the wall, the biggest giver this week is, and put it up on the wall. 
We're going to point people to the Lord. And so whatever you do in word and deed, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. Don't do it to be recognized. Don't do it even for the good feeling that you get when you give. Do it because you have the good feeling of what? Pleasing and obeying God. Train yourself to do that. Because if you train yourself to, be, to do things for the applause of men, it will ruin your life. It will ruin you. Because not only is the applause of men fleeting, it is a poor substitute for the applause of heaven. And you don't want your rewards here on earth where moth and rust can eat it up and destroy it. You want to lay up what? For yourselves treasures in heaven awaiting you and me. In a life, even though it was a silent time, it's okay. Sometimes it's even better to be in those silent times. You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message today is called, Victory Comes by Faith. We're going through 2 Kings right now, and you can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Just search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And we're also on OnePlace.com. Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, we learned that while it's a good idea to pray for healing, sometimes God answers our prayers in ways we don't expect or as we desire. As you know, there's a false teaching in our world today that goes something like this. If you just have enough faith, God will heal you guaranteed. And it's not in his will for you to be sick. Would you take a minute or two to address that? I have to say, Larry, that this false teaching greatly frustrates me and really angers me uh, because it so misrepresents the character and the nature of God. And let me just say that God is sovereign in his healing. And I would even say this, any physical healing on earth is a temporary healing because our real true healing comes when we leave these bodies of death and enter into the very presence of the Lord. But I, I, get, I get angry hearing this, that the idea that you're sick because you don't have enough faith, that's not true, or that you're sick because you haven't given enough or you're an unfaithful believer. Listen, we are sick because we live in a sin-soaked world and all of us, and this is hard to conceive, but would you please bear with me? I know it's hard to hear, but bear with me. The moment we were born, we started to die. Uh, our bodies are decaying. Uh, these bodies aren't meant to last forever. Every single one of us are going to face death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The, the only difference is none of us know when that day is. But please don't listen to the false health and wealth gospel. Don't give your money to these pastors. God is sovereign in his healing, and we believe in healing. Uh, for sure, when we pray and lay hands on people and, lay, and anoint with oil, we believe that God can heal. But the healing doesn't always come the way that we want it to. I remember when my own son was very sick, and we were praying over him night and day, a 24-hour watch, my wife and I, as he lay in a coma in a hospital room. And, you know, desperately, the prayers of a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister and so many others, uh, desperately seeking a healing. And, you know, God answered that prayer. He did, just not the way that we wanted. The healing came by my son entering into the presence of the Lord. And, yeah, there's great pain and great grief, but not for my boy. Uh, he is in the presence of the Savior that he embraced himself, and I'm grateful for that. But listen, 
God doesn't always answer the way that we think he will, but he always answers according to his sovereign purposes. So trust him and don't listen to the false teachings of the prosperity gospel, all right? Thanks, Larry. And thank you, my friend. Looking for a good devotional to go through here at the beginning of a new year? We'd like to suggest an excellent devotional by E.M. Bounds called The Power of Prayer, One Minute Devotions. This contains a collection of messages from the manuscripts of E.M. Bounds. Each day of the year, you'll read a scripture verse followed by a related meditation from the author and then end with prayer. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Now, next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Kings. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and online at AboundingGraceRadio.com.